Welcome to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. My name is Luke Bricker, and I'm excited to have Sherry Rosendahl on the episode. This is part two of the conversation that we were able to have. And if you've not checked out part one, that's just the last episode right before this one. I highly recommend checking that one out before jumping into this one. Once again, who am I to tell you what to do? But it might help a little bit. Uh, I'm really excited for some of the topics that we talk about. I really think it's crucial. We even deal with the topic of race. Um, very interesting. So we're not going to spend too much time on an intro here. We're going to jump right back into the conversation. But a few things I just did want to remind you about is that this is a series. And so in this series, there's many different ups and downs and many different dynamics to the conversations that are had. And I do just want to remind everyone that I am going to be doing a finale episode of this series where I'm going to be sharing a lot of my conclusions, a lot of my thoughts, things that I've been thinking about and rethinking even from some of the podcast episodes. So you're not going to want to miss that. I invite you to subscribe, follow us on social media at Spiritual Nomad Podcast on Instagram, Facebook. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritual nomad. I have some really cool plans for that. But let's just jump right back into the second part of the episode with my friend Sherry. I just saw a thing, uh, Simon Sinek, he's like a, you know, leadership guy, start with why. I think he's awesome. And he just posted a thing about like any leader that is a self-proclaimed expert or guru, like run the other way. But any leader that is absolutely committed to continued learning and basically saying like, I'm going to be the lead learner here. That's the person that you need. So they don't have all the answers, but you know, they're committed to learning about it. You know what I mean? Uh, That's awesome. I love that. I think that that's, you know, sure we all need to take, it would be amazing if more people would just put, be a learner, not try to be a leader, but be a learner. Yes. And the only thing that's leading about it is we're willing to speak up first. We're willing to dive into those things first because leadership is really just people that are courageous. I mean, that's, they're just like everybody else. They're just willing to say the first thing or do the first thing. And immediately people are like, Oh, now I have the freedom to do that too. I've been feeling that the whole time, you know? Yeah. 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 People definitely, it helps to have permission or see somebody else do it first. It makes it a lot more comfortable or easier to kind of step into that place or step out of your comfort zone. And that's where I'm at with the church is just trying to figure out how can we be lead learners and figuring out what it is. Because when we moved out here, you know, I moved to Southern California from the Midwest and everybody's like, oh, they definitely need it and all this stuff. And, <laughs> you know, they people, they fill your mind with everything. And I didn't really buy it. But actually, I got out here and it was the opposite. Like, I'm like, dude, cultural Christianity is hot out here. Like it's, there's so many, the mega church culture is huge. There are some other church plants we moved out here and they're like promote promo videos. I'm like, ugh, like that's just the same thing perpetuated over and over. And, you know, what I found is people are actually very spiritual and even open and like talking about Jesus. They're just not interested in funding like that company, you know? Yeah. 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 So like, I'm just trying to figure out like, what does it look like for people to come together without having to like, feel like a church is 
basically the same thing as saying launching a company, you know? Yeah. I think too, we overthink it. Like we just make it so much more complicated. Totally. I mean, maybe we just hang out for a while and talk about Jesus and it's that simple. I don't know. So what do you think would be some of the most healing things for the Western church to begin doing? Oh, great question. And you can take your time. It's no problem. (laughs) I know that's a big one. Uh, Yeah, it is. I think that the Western church was could humble, become humble and hang out with people that are different than them. Like spend time with diverse people and be more open-minded. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, I guess it's the same thing as like becoming more of a learner. So I guess stop, take yourself off a pedestal, like go out, invite somebody that you never would over to dinner and learn about them, humanize them. And I think that once you start doing that, like everything else, all the other like Christianese stuff that you have will fall apart. People are really, really stuck in this trench of like making converts, like winning people over. And I was joking around with some friends. We were hanging out and it just came to me out of nowhere. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what it is. It's like multi-level marketing sometimes, you know? You don't really fully know what the product is. You kind of believe it, but the guy above you told you, like, you'll be rewarded if you can get more people to buy it too, you know? And you're kind of unsure even on the product, you know? Right. And it, that's kind of where we're at whenever it comes to, like, yeah. evangelicalism. Yeah. Yeah. It, to me, it's so bizarre. Like, that's always felt really weird to me. Um, like you see, sit there and strategize of how you can get somebody or try to like think of the easiest way to start talking to, about Jesus with somebody and not listen to them. And they you put yourself on a pedestal by doing that. And it's just, it's weird. I think it's just weird. Like God doesn't need us to convert people. Yeah. Like, I don't know why we think that we have to do it or the world's going to end or whatever, or the world won't end. But yeah, so. <laughs> It, they make it seem uh, that way or everybody's going to burn forever. You know, it's like, yeah, you're loving them to hell, Yeah, which I just, I don't buy. Like, I guess that's, that's, I just think that the greatest command of Jesus was to love, not to convert. Like yeah. I know the great commission, but we don't fully understand what the great commission means. And I think people have taken that and just completely exploited it and used it to, I guess, yeah, build their little conversion business. And it's yeah. just weird, uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I've never really felt super comfortable with it. And I thought, well, mm-hmm. I'm just not sold out to Jesus enough. Like, yeah. how bizarre is that, that we yeah. we feel that way? And it makes yeah. me so sad for people, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely have had those moments before. And, like, you're with people and it's just it, – it's becomes more of a force thing and you're hearing other people that are probably making up stories about how they led, you know, James and Sally to Jesus or whatever. And it's like, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but at any rate, I'm feeling like super guilty about myself, you know? And then somebody comes along and says, well, that's the Holy spirit. And you're like, what? Like, like it's crazy. And even you bring up the great commission. I think that's a good piece. How he says, make disciples. And I think it's interesting that he just spent three years with them, like making only 12 disciples over three years. 
Yeah. How do we get that mixed up with conversion? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That there's so many things. I just, they, it blows my mind. Like I, it just doesn't fit like a lot. So much of Christianity doesn't fit with Jesus. And I just, I don't know. I think I'll never not be shocked when I think about that. So I'm curious too about a couple things. And one is how do you begin to see like loving people? Because what I've, I've seen is, is like Christianity, especially evangelicalism, which, you know, I, I don't place myself in that camp any longer. I, something tells me you don't either. <laughs> but, you know, we actually get kind of militant on this and we get really weirded out about any other religion or belief system and, you know, stuff that's not in that tribe. How have you mm-hmm. seen kind of going beyond the religion, um, religious borders and embracing all people, kind of expanding your view and practice of love? How is that? really looked in your life and began to like shape you and the work that you do. Cause it seems like the more that you do that, like the more you're producing, you know, even content for online or whatever, but it's like based out of who you are, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's just as simple as hanging out with somebody that you're scared of. If you're the Muslim, invite somebody that's Muslim over for dinner and or go to their house for dinner. You will have the most amazing meal of your life and the most beautiful hospitality. And you can't, it'll just crush any perception of them being, you know, evil or a threat or whatever. Um, so I think that, I don't know, I guess I've never, I've never felt the, that anyone like different than me was my enemy. Um, and like that, like rea- the reality like that you had of like Jesus being love, how is that like for me, I've it's been this very narrow thing that like Jesus only loves Christians, you know? Yeah. Like he only loves the people that raised their hand and got baptized and they don't really do anything, but they made yeah. a confession of faith. And he only loves those people. And the goal is to get people to make confessions so that he can love them too. And we say that he loves all people, but if you just read a little deeper or you attend like, you know, a one-on-one class or whatever at a church, you quickly find out like Christians think they're the most, you know, blessed people. And it seems to me like you've been extending that across the borders and I don't know, just maybe what is maybe like a story or, or something that you may have or it doesn't, you yeah. know, the context doesn't matter. But what does that look like loving beyond the borders of like God really does love all people, you know, especially in that like refugee mi- Middle East context, yeah. you know. So literally going over, expanding our borders and going over to the Middle East, like we take team overs and they're usually American Christian background or anybody can come, but um, we take teams over to Jordan and we serve refugees, families. Um, I think that one of the most humbling experiences that I personally had was with this absolutely beautiful family. We were sitting in their one room concrete house or apartment and they were just the most joyful people I've ever met in my life. And they had two boys and two girls. And the little girls were sitting there playing. And I was playing with them. And we were talking to the parents. And the little well, before we left, the little girl took this little bead out of her purse and gave it to me and said she wanted me to have it. And 
she had like three toys, like three toys. Like they don't have material items. So yeah, I think that was so like humbling and it's just the arrogance we feel sometimes. Um, like we're better than whoever the them is. Like there's, we're not like we, we need to put ourselves under. So I think that, yeah, that was just a really humbling experience. I think exactly what you're saying is, is where we need to be especially like your your Facebook posts and I love like how some of them are even repetitive because we need it so much like if you are white in America you know <laughs> like you are the privileged yeah. one like oh my do gosh, you not yeah. understand that like oh, and that's what feels <laughs> yeah like yeah. so humility is so crucial I think in in loving beyond borders and yeah if I think and I was talking to this, you know, this guy Ben last night and it's like a quick reading of the gospel, I think our idea of the gospel would shift radically. Like yes. no word yes. searches, like no what does this mean in the Greek? Like just a basic Absolutely. brief read. What would that yeah. do for us in it, how would that shape the church? You know, I mean, it would revolutionize it in my opinion. Um Absolutely. And who would have thought? <laughs> Yeah, who would have thought something so simple? (laughs) Like Jesus would be the way. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. it's like I absolutely agree, dude. It's 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 mind-boggling, and I don't mean to to demean anybody by saying that, you know. But it is. I think it's a challenge for us to embrace simplicity of what it is. And I've been on this really big kick about it's more about who you are than what you believe. Like that's oh, been yeah. my like mantra for a while because it seems yeah. to me that Jesus had much more of an interest in that, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. So how have you seen some of like, uh, in being in those places and with those people you've, I, I mean, I don't want to assume for you, but it, something tells me that you may have seen some attributes of Christ in places oh. that you would have least expected it, you know? Yes. So, I, yeah, how's that yeah. some of that? I have learned more about loving others and being kind from amazing refugee families, both overseas and in the States. When people who have very little welcome you into their home with such gen- genuine love and hospitality, it's just so, it's so beautiful. It's overwhelming. It's, they love so much better than I do. And I, that's what I aspire to be like. Like it's my Muslim friends who teach me how to love like Jesus loved. So it's just really, it's, you wouldn't expect it, but it's just is. Yeah. And that's what I think is amazing that we can begin to learn is we can actually learn from people who are not us or the same tradition or any of that. And I think that's going to be a lot of the lifeblood of the church moving forward. And I'm, I'm curious too, certainly if you need to think about it, no problem because it's kind of a bomb drop, but some of the reality that you talk about of blatant racism in America and how that really is in the church without us even realizing it. Can you unpack some of that? Because I know a lot of your blog posts are about that and a lot of your statuses do have a lot of those connotations, at least recently. Like from, Mm -hmm. from your perspective, you know, externally processing some of that, what is people that, that don't think that's a reality? 
what would be some of the things that you would begin to challenge them on? Mm-hmm. I think it would be hard to challenge somebody that's already super set in their ways. Um, I mean, the only way I think to help change a perception like that is to take them somewhere where they see the reality or meet people or talk to people or hear stories of, you know, but even then we see videos of people being murdered and we still don't think there's a problem. So that's a really hard question, I think. What do you Um, think the church can do to begin to be a part of the solution in this? Or do you think it's just going to take a radical move from somewhere else other than the church? Is there still hope for the church to actually be a change agent anymore in, in situations? We there's yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we just have to realize that we don't know everything and that we have a history of putting us like white people putting ourselves on a pedestal. I mean, we had manifest destiny, which I think still kind of runs more subtle in the culture that God has chosen us. We're the chosen ones. And we need to enlighten all these other people who are not white. Like we need to enlighten them and bring them to this truth. So it's just, we have this, this arrogance that we need to step away from and just see what's really happening. I mean, we have grotesque violence happening every day to our black neighbors and, you know, trying to have our wants to build a wall and I think the church if they could just see people as people then yeah. they could be the change because I think the church is the biggest advocate not I mean much of the church not all of it is the biggest advocate right now that I see for like uh, against like the black Lives matter movement or saying that all lives matter that there's no racism and I see that the most from I see so many white people argue that there's no white privilege and I just don't understand it. Like, (laughs) I don't know where you get that perception bad. How do you reconcile that in your life? Like what, what are some things that have helped shape your, your paradigm in that? Is that something that you've always had an awareness about or were there some circumstances or some realities that you're like, this is kind of effed up, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, um, I think I, I grew up in mostly in Houston, Texas, which is super diverse. So I was always just around people. Like I never thought, like I didn't. I guess I didn't understand the white privilege obviously when I was younger. Um, I think it was probably when I really realized it was I was teaching at an alternative high school, like a super urban one, and my kids were super diverse, and the stories they would come and telling me like 16 year olds being abused by cops for standing at a gas station um getting shot at getting arrested for nothing like it's just you really see the difference in how people are treated in different areas also the school system the school that my daughter went to at the time was like a upper middle class school and they had super nice facility they had books they had laptops and all that crap this district that i worked in like we had nothing our building was run down it looked like a prison there was like barbed wire around it um our books were like 10 years old like it was just and i teach history like how do you do that with well, we don't use books but um <laughs> yeah so i think that it's just 
ah, I think that just to go to, yeah, that's what people need to do. You used to see the schools in the inner city versus the school versus the schools in the suburbs. Like there is such a difference in that education system. And do you think Jesus is interested in that? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I think that the Christian community could actually be some of the biggest advocates to see some of those places completely renewed and bringing wholeness. You know, if God is really working to bring everything, redeem everything back to himself, and that's our job is to join and partner with him in that now, how do we just pass by that stuff? Like, how do we not care? And I'm guilty, you know, I'm totally guilty because, I mean, I... I work a 40 hour a week job, you know, and have kids and I get it. Yeah. But it's like when your heart is broken by the reality of humanity, like Jesus's was, that's not stuff you just schedule in to think about. It becomes like an obsession, like people and life and God and his interaction with loving all people becomes an obsession. I don't know if you deal with this like I do, but <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, it just, it breaks you apart. Yeah. When you start to actually see the hurt around you and feel the desire to just love. And yeah, I think that it just, it breaks you. You can't not think about it. You see it everywhere. And that's what we need to like. That's amazing to, to have that encounter, it's also kind of like stressful because it's hard. But and so you saw the difference, even you know, talking about um, America being very hidden in plain sight, blatant about where we care about our where our money goes and everything like that. You got to actually be a teacher and have your daughter go elsewhere, and so you saw a major disconnect there. Uh, was there any was there any way for people to actually get involved and and be a part of that? Or are you guys doing anything like that now? I know you don't live in Texas anymore, but what does it look like for people to even get involved on the ground level? Like even at the school systems or in their city, or if they want to meet some people who are not like them and get in the game. I guess I'm kind of selfishly asking too. What are some good ways for us to begin to? meet those people and do those things just go to where they are and start a conversation with somebody randomly um like or go to a halal store and start talking to the whoever's working there and you'll probably be invited over for dinner um it's that easy <laughs> it really is that easy but on the same well yeah in that culture it is but on the same hand it's, it's intimidating because it's awkward so i think it's just you have to take risks to love people and sometimes it's going to feel awkward, but I think the payoff is good. But yeah, go to where people are volunteer at schools, like in the inner city and just connect with the kids and meet their parents. And that's, I think that just go to where they are or invite them over to your house, whatever. Yeah. that I mean, it's as simple and I need to begin to do that and I'm going to, you have me accountable now that I'm actually going to try to do something. So, <laughs> and everybody keep me accountable too, because I need to do that because you have to see people. And for 
this idea of institutional exodus, I think the very reason that people are leaving the church is because they don't see this happening there. And mm-hmm. I think that the church can um, be revitalized by people. What you're saying is seeing the other with mm-hmm. love and yeah. actually like getting off your ass and doing something about it. Right. You know? And the thing is, once you do it, like it'll change you so much. Like you'll learn so much from the people you meet and it's just amazing what it does for you. Like it's just life giving. And it is so simple. Like everything I feel like I'm saying is super simple, but I think that maybe that's what we need. Like just, we need to go back to the basics. Yeah. I think that's the common trend at the, um, the conference that we were just at in Vin- at the vineyard, uh, Anaheim, I went through a little workshop and a guy by the name of Jay Pathak did a, you know, Jay. Yeah. And he did it, this really awesome little workshop just about like really simple, basic things done over and over consistently over time, change cities. And he's like, yeah. we've never seen like, we did this one thing and all this stuff happened. It's like, it's been incremental, small, little, like right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot sort of things Uh, to move you forward. And uh, I think this is one of those things that it's like, I'm so guilty of it because I'm like uh, on Myers-Briggs, I'm like ENFP. And so on Enneagram, uh, that's like a seven, you know, or whatever. So uh, I'm like, I have like shiny object syndrome, they say. So like (laughs) everything, I'm like all over and kind of hyper about stuff. And he like... uh, to me, I feel like, you know, unfortunately, I see myself in a lot of the Christian culture. We're just jumping from thing to thing, just trying to see, you know, sometimes it's people saved, you know, I'm more on the line of like seeing people actually live in a new life, you know, in, yeah. in all the facets that that has. And I'm, I, I get bored with stuff and I have mm-hmm. to keep consistent. And something tells me some listeners are going to resonate with that too, of just like, <laughs> Simple yeah. things over time change cities, you know? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. I, we just, we want to change the world sometimes. Like, we want everything to change, but we it's, we can't do that. Like, it, we have to start small. Um, I think that was, that was a big thing for me, that just, you feel defeated sometimes or bored when you feel like you need to change so many things. It's overwhelming, but... Yeah, starting simple like that's that's the only way. So it's it's hard, it's so hard, but you know, it's it's what it takes. And um yeah. so with your blog, notyourwhitejesus.org, right? Yeah. Um if people want to get in touch with that and what are some of the things that you think people would expect from that? So some of our listeners, they want to come check out your blog. Uh, you know, check out your guys' organization, you know, what are, what are some things that you hope that they walk away from, from the work that you do? Um, I hope that it just makes people think, uh, just think. That's what I really hope. I hope that it makes people maybe see Jesus a little differently or not, but what I really want them to do is just kind of think of some new ideas, think through some of the differences I, I just wanted to be an advocate to, sorry, did I cut you off? You go ahead. No, you're good. 
I just appreciate yep. how real you are in your blogs. Um, anybody that, that reads it, I think they can tell, like, you're very skilled in, in writing and you can communicate very well through writing. I tried to do some blogging for a little bit. I am definitely more of a verbal communicator than a blogger, but you write so well and so honest. And I just really hope that people begin to read some of that more because I truly believe that what you're writing is the origins of the beginning of change in the West. And if people really begin to take that, take that, and if it convicts them in the way that it's been convicting me, I really think that we're going to continue a trajectory that's away from a super, you know, hyper uh, top down authoritarian structure that serves, you know, tax breaks and, you know, prestige yeah. and more towards a holistic, authentic, loving of all people regardless sort of way. And so I'm an advocate for your blog in that way. And I hope people that listen to this podcast will check it out and take it to heart you know definitely a better writer than i am a verbal communicator (laughs) hey i'm infp so Uh, what are you infp sweet so we both have the nf going on that's why we like care so much (laughs) right yep there we go that's the (laughs) but regardless of personality types i think you know the call to love is something that beats in all of us and once we begin to taste that, you know, I, I love uh, some authors I like, they say, you know, once you taste, you can't untaste. And I think once you begin to taste some of the things you've been writing about and hopefully what we talk about on this podcast, people yeah. won't be able to go back to status yeah, quo anymore. Yeah, it'll ruin your life in the best way possible. I'm so down with that. <laughs> now I'm stoked. Now I need to go do something. I'm all since I'm an E, I got plenty of energy now. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm all hyped up. Thank you so much for for coming on here. And if people want to support what you're doing uh, with the refugee stuff in the Middle East, uh, what website can they go to? Um, you can find it on notyourwhitejesus.org. There's a link to our other website, which is a longer name. Perfect. So, but you can find it. Uh, not your white Jesus.org. And I'll also throw the link a- in at the bottom and, and people will love it. And you know, it's, it's changing the world. So thank cool. you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this episode. And next week we have my friend Corey Bruins. This will be his third time back on the podcast. I just can't get away from talking to this guy. I love him so much. He's here in Ocean Beach, so he's local. We're able to sit in a room together and have a conversation. So you're going to want to check into that new episode for this season next week. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you on social media.